As the church carries out its mission in its own community and among all nations, it's critical that this mission is carried out in response to God's Word. Welcome to the Radical with David Platt podcast, the latest sermons from teacher, author, and pastor David Platt delivered weekly. As always, you can find thousands of more gospel-centered, missions-minded resources over at our website, Radical.net. In this message from Psalm 13, David Platt helps us think about how to understand and respond to this psalm by memorization and meditation, by application, by prayer, and by sharing its truth with others. The psalmist's cry for help and trust in the Lord should lead Lead us to cry out to God and to rely on his steadfast love. For the last two weeks, David has preached sermons titled, We Glorify God by Making Disciples. And today is the third in the series, Among All Nations, beginning in greater Washington, D.C., with today's text from Psalm 13. All right, let's do what we've done the last couple weeks. I'll put it up here on the screen. Let's read Psalm 13 out loud together across all of our campuses. Here goes, Psalm chapter 13, verse one. Let's read it out loud. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Just like last week before I say anything else, I want you to take a couple minutes just on your own and do the first M in maps. So just meditate, meaning for the next couple minutes, just ask, what is this passage saying. I just want you to observe what it says. So I'm trying to guide you here in a way that shows you how you can do the same thing tomorrow morning or afternoon or evening when you're alone with the next Psalm in our Bible reading. So that's Psalm 20 tomorrow for January 20th. So take a couple of minutes. And again, I want to invite everybody to do this. Young, old, if you've been a member for decades, if this is your first time ever here, even if you're not a Christian, just observe what, what is what We just read, what is it saying? Circle words, underline phrases, write notes that might clue you in to the meaning of the psalm. Which, by the way, a psalm, if you've never heard even that term, is basically a biblical word for a song or a prayer that would be sung and prayed to God. So this psalm, it says, was written by King David in Israel's history. We don't know for sure if he was king when he wrote this psalm, but what is David saying? Look, is there anything he repeats? Any words, phrases that stick out to you? What's the overall tone of the psalm? Is it divided up in a certain way? What does it seem to be teaching us about God, about us? All right, I'll stop asking questions. That's more than enough to think about for like a few minutes. So take a couple minutes, just write down all kinds of notes there, and then I'll bring us back together. Go for it.
All right, let me start to bring us back together. I trust, I hope that was nowhere near sufficient amount of time in a way that you start to realize, okay, yeah, at one point you, I know I've thought, oh, what do you, how, how do you spend all this time in the Word? Like you can read it pretty quickly, but if we're not speed reading, if we're really stopping and looking and thinking, this is going to take some time. So let's come back together. Let's, let's, let's start with the big picture. So as you think about this, how would you say this psalm as a whole is divided up? When you look at it, it, it starts with five questions, right? In the first two verses, they seem to go together. All these different questions. And then when you get to verse three, you start to see these requests or commands. And that continues from verse three to four, and then when you get to verse five, you see a major transition word, but, and that leads us into the rest of the psalm. So when you look at it big picture, it kind of seems like three movements. So let's do this. Let's think about, kind of isolate each of those movements separately and then think about how they tie together. So we'll start with the first one, verses one and two. Did you notice anything here that repeats? That was an easy one, right? How long? How long? So let's go to verses one and two. How long, O Lord, will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long? Four different times. This is significant. From the very beginning, David is questioning God. Like, there are five question marks in the first two verses. Now, we don't know exactly what's happening in David's life at this point, but we do know that he's feeling a lot of emotions here. Like, if you haven't already, maybe just write down, let's write down some words that explain how David feels at this point. So how long, oh Lord? Like when those are the first words out of the chute, I would say it's pretty safe to say that he feels tired, maybe desperate. So we're we're just trying to put ourselves in the shoes of the one who's writing this. Will you forget me forever? He feels forgotten. Forgotten by God how long will you hide your face from me? So not, not even just forgotten, but like abandoned. He feels like God is against him. He's hid his face from him, like deliberately. How long must I take counsel in my soul? He feels, we'll call that maybe restless or anxious it's like tossing and turning, just can't get this out of his mind. Have sorrow in my heart. He feels sad, maybe even depressed. I'm sorry for my writing. I'm not saying it's the best, but hopefully you're getting a picture. So sad, depressed. And did you see all the day back up there and earlier when he said forever? Like it feels like there's no light at the end of this tunnel. He feels, let's call that hopeless, which is part of what depression is, right? Like I'm in despair and I don't see a way out. 
And then, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He feels defeated by his enemy. And in the end, I, I think it'd be accurate to say he feels pretty alone. Like all this, like you've forgotten me, my enemy's prevailing over me, I, I feel alone. So let me just pause there and ask the question. Do you ever feel like any of these things? Like this psalm is so applicable to so many lives in this room right now. So many situations come into my mind that I know people are walking through in our church. Like this is real. And I hope that right now you are encouraged by this psalm in the Bible that is showing us that it's okay to come to God with our questions. That there is a place in a relationship with God for something that's called, so I'm gonna put a word here, lament, because that's what this is. That's a biblical word that basically means being honest with God about struggles in our lives. And this Psalm, Psalm 13, is not alone. Did you know that over one third of the Psalms in the Bible are laments like this? Like the Bible is showing us here how to pour out our hearts to God with all our fears and all our frustrations and all our hurts and all our sorrow in a way that will actually build our faith in the end. Eric Saunders, our campus pastor at Arlington and I were talking about this text and he pointed out how necessary it is for there to be space in our relationships with God for lament. You think about it, this is the same David who wrote three Psalms later. So if you were following the Bible reading this week, you came to Psalm chapter 16. I'll put this one up here. Psalm 1611, this same David said to God, you make known to me the path of life In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Like one psalm full of joy, another psalm is I have no joy. So which is it? Eric said it's like David is your favorite musical artist and you pop in his album and the first track is God, where are you? And the second track is God, you're so close to me. And the third track is, God, I have no joy. And the fourth track is, God, you are fullness of joy. So you come back here and we might think there's something wrong with David, but I would submit there's actually something right. David is expressing here the full range of emotions of a relationship with God. David's relationship with God had room for times when God feels distant and room for times when God feels close. There's room in relationship with God for praise and thanksgiving and there's room for lament. And some days there's more of one than the other. It's the fruit of wrestling with the reality of a good God in a world that is not always good. Like God, I thought marriage was good, but it seems hard and I'm hurting. I thought singleness was good, but it 
seems really challenging at times. I thought parenting was good, but I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know what to do. Or I thought parents were good, but I don't always get along with mine. Or I want to be a parent and I don't know why you're not providing a child. I don't understand why I have this pain that won't go away. I don't understand why I feel depressed or anxious or angry and I just can't seem to shake it. Or I know that death is real, but I didn't expect it to happen to my child or my dad or my mom or my friend so soon. And in the midst of it all, you wonder, where is God? And how long will this hurt last? Like forever? Like he's really asking the question here because that's the way he genuinely feels. This is why Dr. King built a speech around wording from this psalm at the end of that march from Selma. You remember the original march was to support voting rights for African Americans. This is just 50 years ago in many people's lifetime today. Original march was scheduled for March 7th, 1965, but peaceful unarmed marchers were attacked with billy clubs and tear gas just a few blocks from where they started in an event that is now known as Bloody Sunday. They tried again two days later where they were barricaded by government state troopers. Finally, a couple of weeks later, over 3,000 people set out from Selma, walked 12 hours a day, sleeping in fields at night until they reached the state capitol in Montgomery. They were joined by 20,000 plus others and Dr. King stood before them and here's what he said. He said, I know you are asking today How long will it take? Somebody's asking, how long will prejudice blind the visions of men, darken their understanding, and drive bright-eyed wisdom from her sacred throne? Somebody's asking, when will wounded justice lying prostrate on the streets of Selma and Birmingham and communities all over the South be lifted from this dust of shame to reign supreme among the children of men? Somebody's asking, when will the radiant star of hope be plunged against the nocturnal bosom of this lonely night, plucked from weary souls with chains of fear and the manacles of death? How long will justice be crucified and truth bear it? How long, how long, how long? And although obvious strides have been made since that day, I'd say the question still remains in a country where on everything from employment to education, to household wealth, to crime, and the criminal justice system, undeniable disparities still exist. How long? Leads us back to Psalm 13. Like these two words represent a real question with real wrestling amidst hurt in a fallen world. So let's see where they lead. Verses three and four. Did you notice, maybe even circle the requests? Consider and answer me. That's what he's asking the Lord his God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. 
lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Consider, that's a pretty strong word when you think about someone who feels forgotten or abandoned, like God has turned his face from you. God is, David's like David is saying, look at me. Don't turn your face from me. Look at me and answer me. Look and do something, respond, oh Lord. So you notice that from last week, right? Yahweh, the covenant name for God. Oh Lord, my God. Look at me, God, because I am looking to you. Light up my eyes, which we know is more than just figurative or symbolic or spiritual because he says, lest I sleep the sleep of death. This is a life or death matter in David's life. Then he goes on to think about the prospect of ultimate defeat. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. It's like David is looking at the future if God doesn't help and that future is really dark. But even that is really critical here. Not just to understanding the psalm, but to us in our lives, because amidst all these emotions, what is David doing? He is looking to the Lord his God. And that in and of itself is extremely significant because we are all tempted, just think about it, in our hurts to let those hurts lead us in so many other directions. To let them lead us toward frustration and anger with others. Maybe we try to numb our feelings and suppress our thoughts with anything from drinking to eating to endless entertainment to mindless hours on our phone or online, oftentimes in ways that lead to impurity and immorality when what we need more than anything else is to look to the Lord our God. I was so encouraged Friday night seeing my brother Steve from MoCo here after his son Jake died so unexpectedly and tragically a few months ago and he's here like lifting his hands and seeking God and crying out to God and I know that's not easy. Like nothing's easy for Steve and Jen and Owen right now. Nothing. That's all the more need to look to the Lord our God and to cry out honestly to him, look at me. Like, help me. Light up my eyes. I need you to do this. Like, yes. Hold on to lament and don't let go of faith in the middle of it. These go together. When your heart is filled with these emotions from verses one and two, Hold on to faith, verses three and four. You say, how can I hold on to faith? Well, keep going to the last two verses. But, so here's where everything shifts. But I have trusted, let's, let's circle the verbs here. I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So how, how do you get there amidst lament? How do you get to singing to the Lord? Well, it starts with trust. Trust in what? In 
the steadfast love of God. David says, I'm gonna trust in your love. I'm gonna trust that you still love me. David knows, this is the Lord we're talking about here. All throughout history, God's people have been through dark, difficult times, but the Lord has always, always, always proven his love. Even David here, it's like he pauses and realizes, he remembers the Lord has, what has he done? He has dealt bountifully with me. What a word. Like God hasn't just dealt kindly, but bountifully with me. What a weapon we have in the fight for faith to be able to look back and just consider amidst all the hurts and all the pains to remind ourselves of all the ways that God has indeed been good to us. The ways that God has indeed provided for us in ways that lead you to rejoice in his salvation. So this is the Lord who saves. This is the Lord who delivers. Now think about this, because when David writes the word salvation, David doesn't even know all that we know about God's salvation. So listen really closely here if you're not yet a Christian, because this is the big picture story of the Bible. We're only about halfway through it here in Psalms. God created all of us to live in harmony with him, but all of us have sinned against God. Every one of us has turned aside from God's ways to our own ways. That's why this world is not as it should be, because we have turned from God. And because of our sin against God and his holiness, we deserve his judgment, his eternal judgment. But God has not left us alone in our state of fallenness, destined for judgment. God has come to us in the person of Jesus. And you wanna know something really interesting? So you wouldn't know this from reading the English, but this word in the Hebrew for salvation is the same root word from which we get the Greek translation for the name Jesus. You know what Jesus means? Jesus means the Lord saves. Now, David didn't know that in Psalm 13, all the details about Jesus, but the big picture story of the Bible is that Jesus has come. Jesus had no sin in him, yet he chose to die on a cross to endure the judgment we deserve in our sin and then he rose from the dead in victory over sin so that the Bible says anyone anywhere in this fallen world who turns from themselves and their sin and trusts in Jesus to save them from their sin will be forgiven of all their sin and given eternal life with God. Now, Again, David didn't know all that in Psalm 13, but he knew enough to know that you can count on God's salvation in a fallen world. You can count on God's love. And the whole point of lament is to honestly come before God with your hurts, to 
cry out to him and in your cries to remember that you are looking to the one who has loved you, who does love you, and who will love you, and who will ultimately save you and bring you to song as you trust in him. You say, I don't know how to get there, but this is, so this is faith. This is faith. Faith is a fight to trust, and highlight it here, the love of God when everything in your soul is telling you to give up. And the weapon you have to fight, that fight for faith is the salvation of God. The weapon you have in the fight of faith is the presence of the God who has paid the price to deliver you from sin and the promise of God that he will ultimately deliver you from suffering. So, before I bring this to a close, I want you to do something. I want to pause for another couple minutes and I want to invite you to let this soak in. So the idea is if you were reading the Bible alone, I would encourage you to make all kinds of notes like we did first time and then just write down these four things. So one, meditate, memorize, write down the point of the passage in one sentence. So how would you summarize Psalm 13 in one sentence and maybe circle one verse you might want to memorize? Then two, apply. Like write down at least one way you can apply this passage to your life. Think head, heart, hands. How does this passage transform the way you think, desire, or act? And try to be specific, not just, I want to trust God. Like, I want to trust God with what? I want to fight, fight a faith in this way, this circumstance. Just be specific. Then three, to pray. So I want to encourage you to write down a prayer based on this passage. Think P-R-A-Y. How does this passage lead you to praise, repent, ask, and or yield? And then ask for share. Write down one specific way you can share any of the above with someone else. So let me invite you to take just a few minutes before we close. I'm going to bring us back together and Bring all this to a head. But I want to invite you to do that right now. Just like we did a second ago, we just made notes. Now, based on what we've seen, this is maps. Like, let's write down, okay, what does this passage mean? What's it saying? How does it apply? How does it lead me to pray? And how can I share it? So go ahead and start writing. And then I'll bring us back together in a couple minutes. Feel free to continue writing if you, uh, if you want to, need to. That's totally great. I hope, I hope, I hope. It's just a helpful picture. I'm not saying when you sit down for a Bible study, you're, it needs to look like this. Or, but that I hope that walking through this just shows how you, like you can do this. You and, the, and God meeting together over his word 
like just making notes, then just answer those four questions and you'd, you meditate on God's word day and night like that, you'll experience life. It's a promise straight from God. So let me bring this psalm to a conclusion though. I wanna share with you how Dr. King ended his speech that day in Montgomery, Alabama. This is what he said. He said, I come to say to you this afternoon, however difficult the moment, however frustrating the hour, it will not be long. How long, he asked? Not long, he said, because no lie can live forever. How long, he asked? Not long, he said, because you shall reap what you sow. How long, he asked? Not long, he said, because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. How long, he asked? Not long, he said, because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. God's truth is marching on. So don't miss it. The real power in Dr. King's speech is in the fact that he pointed to another king who changes everything, which means I'm standing here looking out across a gathering of many campuses in this city with all kinds of people who in different and deep ways have struggled, are struggling, and will struggle with the question, how long? And I want to encourage you today with a clear word from God himself. Not long. In the big picture, in the ultimate arc of the universe, not long at all. How long? Not long because we know that these present sufferings are not worth comparing with the future glory that will be revealed in us. How long? Not long because justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. How long? Not long because Jesus has come and for our sake he felt forgotten, abandoned, full of sorrow. For our sake he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For our sake, he took the judgment we deserve upon himself. He died on a cross. He slept the sleep of death in a scene that sure looked like his enemies had prevailed over him. But how long did he stay dead? Not long. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He ascended on high. Death has been defeated. So when you and I ask, honestly, how long, oh Lord, we can know the answer is not long because our Savior is alive and he is coming back for us. And before long, there will be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. Before long, God himself will wipe away every 
tear from our eyes and he will be with us and we will be with him forever. So hold on to faith in the middle of the hurt because we know because of God's love, it will not be long. It will not be long. Let's, let's pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? First and foremost, I want to ask you right where you're sitting or standing. Do you know Jesus as your salvation, as your Savior? It's the one who saves you. Right now where you are, are you trusting in Jesus as the Lord of your life? And if you have never put your faith in Jesus to bring you in a relationship with God, or if you are far from Jesus right now, I wanna give you an opportunity to put your faith in him. Just to say right now before God, just say in your heart, dear God, I am a sinner. I have turned from you. I am separate from you by my sin. But today I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And today I trust in your steadfast love for me. Today I rejoice in your salvation. Forgive me of my sin and give me eternal life with you. And you pray that God promises to answer that. Let me just ask, like with our heads still bowed, if you just prayed that to God, I, I wanna invite you to do something. In this room, at other campuses, I just wanna invite you with heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand before God if you today are saying, yes, I'm trusting in Jesus to save me from my sin. Amen, amen, to be Lord of my life, amen. God, I praise you, I praise you for bringing people today to hear this good news, to be forgiven of their sin, to be reconciled to you. I pray that you would give them courage to make that public today, even through baptism. Others who have not done that, to do that today. Say, yes, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. And God, I pray, I pray especially for those who, are, who came in today asking how long. They may not have put it that way, but that's, that's where their hearts are. Maybe they haven't put it that way, but God, they're struggling. And God, I pray you'd, you'd help them to trust in your steadfast love. Thank you for your word, for your truth that is indeed marching on, that we can trust in now and forever. And God, I, I pray not one of us knows what's coming this week or the rest of this year around the corner, Pray for Psalm 13, kind of faith in the middle of whatever comes. Help us to trust in your steadfast love and sing to you, for you have dealt bountifully with us. In Jesus' name, the name of the one who saves, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today on Radical with David Platt. As always, you can download today's sermon or the discussion questions that accompany every sermon at our website, radical.net. There you can also search similar topics of today's sermon like value and authority in the word, 
how to study the Bible, spiritual growth, evangelism, and making disciples. Secret Church 20 is fast approaching. This year's theme that Pastor David will be teaching on is God, government, and the gospel. Thousands of you from all around the world are planning to either attend with us in Washington, D.C. or watch via the global live stream. But either way, if you're planning to attend, we have a special discount for our Radical Podcast community. Regardless of the group size, if you use the code PODCAST at checkout, you will receive 10% off of your registration price. Again, regardless of the group size. That's Secret Church 20 using the code PODCAST for 10% off. We hope you will join us for that important night on April 24th, 2020. God, government, and the gospel. Well, that's all for today's episode. I'm your host, Thomas Bowen. And until next time, join us at Radical.net.